God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And um, did you have a listen to uh, some of the uh, court proceedings when they were asking questions about the mandate? And Sotomayor just became this lying fool. Uh, This person, I can't believe she's a Supreme Court justice. Uh, Mayor said there was 100,000 children in hospitals and wasn't even close. Breyer didn't have his facts, his numbers. These liberal justices didn't seem to be prepared at all for uh, hearing the case. They were asking dumb questions, but they were leading with fake data, false data. Fake news from the Supreme Court. Now, you know, the usual suspects like Thomas and Alito and Gorsuch, I think, asked great questions. We're going to get into a little bit of that today, but these liberals are such activists on the the Supreme Court bench, and it makes me concerned for the protection of our Constitution. You know, one of the things that can save our country and one of the things that I felt was insurance was that President Trump installed or selected or got nominated and confirmed uh, a record number of federal judges. And then now I'm hearing that Biden has done the same thing and you know that quite it doesn't quite you know make sense to me because if Trump went out of his way to fill the bench why are so many uh, seats still available for Biden and when we look at the bench when we look at the Supreme Court uh, the problem there is that 
the Supreme Court justices are getting four Pinocchios from the left, four from the Washington Post or wherever. So it was confirmed, uh, I think of Walensky, the CDC director, um, said it was 3,500 children hospitalized. And now, because of the shortage in uh, California of medical workers, not not for COVID, but for anything, uh, now they're going with asymptomatic, they're back to the asymptomatic spread, which is what this has all been about to begin with. You know, people don't talk enough about the asymptomatic spread. So they're saying, okay, these children that are getting tested positive for COVID or in the hospital for COVID went to the hospital for something else. So they go to the hospital for something, but before they could get treated, they have to take a test and they're test testing positive for the common cold. You wonder the accuracy and efficacy of this Omicron test now, Steve Ducey uh, from Fox and Friends and Fox News said that he believes he was told by his doctor who he just came down with Omicron last week, said that he, uh, that Omicron goes for the throat and Delta goes for the chest and that you would much rather have Omicron, which the experience is much like a common cold. I know several People who have reported now that they have gotten Omicron. That's kind of a new wrinkle in my COVID experience because I knew any I knew no one. I I knew of no one personally that got COVID. Um, I know of cousins and distant relatives and friends, neighbors, you know. I've heard that. And I never, ever, you know, would ever deny that this doesn't exist. I'm not a conspiracy nut that would think that this doesn't exist. But what I am saying is that proof is in the pudding and you got to really look at what's right in front of your eyes because you can't trust anyone. And that's my biggest concern. I don't trust any government official with an agenda and every government official has one an agenda so my biggest concern was you know that what i'm seeing uh doesn't doesn't jive with what i'm hearing but then i turned on the youtube and it's going back maybe a year and a half ago and they were supposed to be they were talking about these hospitals that were overwhelmed and then they would have these people driving by on their bicycles, these YouTube vloggers. And they would say, these hospitals are empty. They're guarded by security personnel. And these vloggers would be on the street and maybe start walking on the sidewalk. And the security detail would go over to them and approach them and tell them to leave as if they're not allowed to walk on the street in front of the hospital because they had a camera in their hand. And that didn't seem right. 
And it's it's actually what turned me off a little bit to Samaritan's Purse and the um, that organization uh, because they set up shop in Central Park and they too had like a they were embroiled in mystery. What's going on there? So it was a interesting time, but it didn't jive with what we were hearing. And then CBS would come out with these fake reports, these fake ER rooms, and other uh, news organizations were showing these rooms full of coffins, only to find out these videos were from hurricanes from years past, and you know they weren't related to COVID. So I, I just don't know what's, what, what to make of it. You had the uh, comfort and the mercy. Those uh, big ships were empty. You know, it's worth remembering these things. Let's not forget them because they don't make sense. How about the Jacob Javits Center? I've been to the Jacob Javits Center. It's huge. It's the biggest, you know, the biggest complex it's where they have these expos all the time. Huge, huge place. Empty. Completely empty. I was there physically. I was there. And uh, it was empty. Surrounded by military personnel. Guarded. But it's completely empty. And you would ask these people, what, what's going on inside? Ah, I can't say. Everything was so close to the vest. So the hospital uh, ships were underused. The hospitals were seen to be empty. Yet all we were hearing on the news was this complete, like, overwhelming situation going on with regard to COVID. And then now they're saying, okay, because they have an undershortage in California, for example, because they fired a whole bunch of people that didn't get the jab, they're, they're now saying, okay, you can come in if you're asymptomatic. Where's the science behind that? Where's the science behind changing it from six feet to three feet? Where's the science behind changing it from 10 days to five days if you're test positive? Your quarantine is cut in half. Overnight, for economic expedience because your corporate person at per partners aren't ready to sell out America with their mandates, vaccine passport surge and push because the numbers just aren't there. The government's lying to us about what the percentage is of how many people have ac actually gotten the jab. And the reason why I believe that is true is because they would have already had corporate sponsorship on this because the corporations that we've made rich through the last 50 to 70 years in America have turned their backs on their customers for greener pastures abroad. Now that the world has become global, there's that word global again, now that the world has become global, They've now sold their soul to the devil 
to access the global market, not just the U.S. market. In part, because many of the U.S. market is buying their products overseas. You can't help it. If you buy anything from Amazon, it's going to be from China, made in China. And I've actually almost thrown my hands up at it because I, I feel like it's a, it's a lost battle with respect to buying American. Like, is American corporations any better toward me than the Chinese corporation at this point? Because the corporations have sold themselves out for China. China has mastered the use of their people as commodities. Yes, we know that they're slave labor, but they've also used them as just a manufacturing machine. And their uh, tyrannical government allows them to control the people in a way that only globalists would dream of. Globalists love controlling people. They love migrating people around the globe. And they can do that through taxation, coercion. Right now we're seeing it done in, in, the, in the name of COVID. And we're seeing it done in the name of climate change. And that's, that was the push. And that's why they always go for the media uh, darlings or the, the, the superstars like U2's Bono. Remember what a sellout Bono was? I mean, AIDS to Africa. That was nothing but a boondoggle of riches. People got rich. And the person who got the richest, I think, was Dr. Fauci, the person who killed the most people back then in the name of AIDS to Africa was Fauci. And the person who saw the blueprint in writing that was learning and realized what an opportunity these developing markets are was Bill Gates. You know, and that's... What's so interesting is, too, when you look at Bill Gates and you look at the company he keeps, like Bin Talal, who is a great friend, uh, Saudi prince, great friend of Barack Hussein, Barack Hussein Obama. They were great friends, and Bin Talal's right-hand man was none other. His secretary, his uh, advisor is uh, the person that he would bring to meetings and just basically his uh, chief of staff was none other than Kamal, uh, Jamal um, um, Khashoggi. Khashoggi, who was the so-called journalist that got slaughtered in a Turkish... Um, chopped up in a Turkish embassy or consulate. Supposedly he was going to get married and he got murdered. And it was people like Lindsey Graham that actually was looking at the Khashoggi murder and just blown away by it to the point where his feelings were hurt. And you just got to wonder, what was that about? 
Because every other day, Lindsey Graham was bringing up this Kamal Khashoggi situation. Never gave two blinks of an eye to Foley, who was beheaded by what they used to call ISIL in favor of Levant, Levant instead of in Sham. They used to praise and promote and boast about ISIL. And Lindsey Graham was one of those Republican senators that used to say ISIL when it was ISIS. And why calling them ISIL was a coded message that say, I'm on board with the globalists. I'm on board with the shenanigans that the Obama administration was pulling for a restructuring of the Middle East particularly by way of Iraq and destabilizing the countries that surrounded Israel, like Syria and Egypt, two countries that they destroyed under the Obama regime, thanks to the help of someone like Lindsey Graham, who constantly wanted to go head-to-head with Russia in Syria. And they went head-to-head with Russia and Syria, knowing full well they were never going to go to war directly with Russia, and knowing full well that Russia was never going to leave Syria because they had uh, just signed a new 50-year contract for their naval base, which was the largest naval base that Russia has outside of the immediate region of Russia. I think Crimea and those areas have large naval bases too. But on the west coast of Syria is the Targus, their largest, and they just signed a new lease. And they weren't going anywhere. They were friends with the Assad family, the Assad kingdom, since the 70s when the Assad family took over Syria. But what it did was it resolved in a never end, it revo- resulted in a never ending war. In Syria, it was just basically a money, a gravy train of money. Oil for weapons. Where did they get those weapons? Well, they got those weapons like, say, Montenegro, um, Ukraine comes to mind when they were manufacturing weapons and distributing them through Latvia and Lithuania and Montenegro and down through Cyprus and straight into the arms. You know, how about Benghazi? Benghazi was a gun-running operation where they would collect Qaddafi's guns. How about Egypt? When they overthrew Mubarak and they tried to implant... A Muslim Brotherhood, a Muslim Brotherhood leader, Morsi, I think his name, and uh, now it's El Sisi. But that covered the southern flank of Israel, and Syria covered basically the northeast flank of Israel. And together, when you destabilize those countries, you destabilize Israel and threaten their existence. When you promote Iraq and you try to make it sound like they're bigger than they really are by calling them, uh, when you promote ISIS, 
I should say, not Iraq, ISIS in Iraq, and Syria. That's what another name for ISIS was, uh, the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. That's what a lot of people saw it. But it was really Islamic State in Israel, I mean, uh, is in Iraq and Sham, or in Sham, Islamic State in Sham. And Sham is just a smaller region than Levant. So when they call them ISIL, they're basically saying that ISIS covers a region that includes Israel, does not acknowledge Israel as a state. And a lot of people at the State Department will disagree with this if they have like a, a liberal bent to them. But most conservatives believe this but with the exception to Lindsey Graham. And the result of all this, though, was the the refugee crisis that the globalists used to move populations around. Just like China, but not quite. And so all these refugees from Syria and that crisis that was man-made and created by the globalists, you know, chaos, confusion, uh and also distraction. You know, where you're looking over here, but you're really doing something over here. And they got a lot of refugees, a lot of Lyft drivers, a lot of Uber drivers, a lot of dishwashers, a lot of grapevine pickers, a lot of agricultural workers. You know, we've talked about it, the fighting age males, creating a jihad, a caravan, right into Europe or right into the United States. These are fighting age males, but they were being manipulated, like a population being moved by globalists from their home country that they would defend normally to now being sheep herded by their globalist masters, their commies, masters, giving crumbs which is what the United States has been trying to do to Americans for a long time. Crush the independent working middle class that thinks on their own and doesn't want the government's help for anything and transform them into a needy population dependent on the government. Eventually, the government squashes religious freedom and your ability to pray because we can't have you worshiping a God that's more powerful than a government. That's what they would say. And that's the problem. That's one of the problems. And if they water down the population with a bunch of refugees and a bunch of people that can vote, and these people come from other places and have no consideration whatsoever for American history, or even French history, or German history, or British history, uh, then what are they there to They're not going to defend that land. They're going to support the open borders. They're going to support the globalist view, because the globalists themselves are basically from one country. They might be from Luxembourg, or Brussels, but they'll be defending the interests and needs of the people of another country, like Greece or Montenegro or 
Latvia or Lithuania or Ukraine, all in the name of goodness. They might be defending Libya. The country they destroyed is now the country they're going to try to build back up. And all these weapons deals and oil deals and the four commodities in the globalist utopia. The four commodities are oil, weapons, drugs, and people. Oil, weapons, drugs, and people. And the senators in the U.S. Congress have gotten rich playing around in those commodities. Partnering up with rich American investors. Like in the case of the Ukraine weapons deals that John McCain and Lindsey Graham would get involved with. And that was protected by the folks like Joe Biden and his son Hunter in the name of oil for um, weapons. And that's where Burisma came in. Burisma Holdings. Um, <clears throat> you had other players. You you might have had, it may have been the, the case, uh, and I have evidence on this, but not 100% ironclad, but it was this polling guy from the who owned the Minnesota Twins. And he's a billionaire, invested in weapons, and it was um, Senator Klobuchar from Minnesota that went with Lindsey Graham and John McCain over to Ukraine and did their business over there because... Klobuchar's investor, a friend, the guy from Minnesota that owns the baseball team, was an investor. They invest in the upfront manufacturing of weapons and they partner with the President of the United States. Like, for example, when uh, Obama was only giving uh, blankets and pillows to the Ukrainians when they needed tank busters like javelin missiles. That was probably done to make sure that the black or the gray market was free and clear, that all channels were open and they had their monopoly. And the CFIUS court is another example of the corruption in our globalist market where Hunter Biden benefited there too, with China. And there was a Michigan company, I believe it was Michigan, where they took a uh, like a brake pads company uh, and they transformed the manufacturing in that to, to make another kind of a part for military weaponry for China. Why they would want to do it in Michigan, I, I have no idea. The details of that may be that they needed a certain kind of manufacturing and a certain kind of product to do what they needed to do. But the main thing is is that the people on the CFIUS court were the cabinet members. That's who makes up the CFIUS court. And so 
Hunter would benefit from that because he would go to the Sifius court and it would be someone like John Kerry and, you know, others, Jay Johnson, all these people that were like friends of Obama and Biden would be on the court greenlighting the deal. The deal to actually engage in international trade that involves national security interests. And guess what? They would get that deal. And then someone like, you know, and then if ever, like someone like Don Jr. decided he wanted to get into a a deal like that, he would be denied. So guess what? You have a monopoly. Wouldn't that be nice, right? A guaranteed monopoly to get rich quick. And you better believe that kind of thing is happening too when you read these stories about China having so much of our land. They are, they're like the number one holder of farmland. Guess who else owns more farmland than any farmer you know? Bill Gates, that's right. And Bill Gates is pushing his synthetic beef market made with formaldehydes. The same kind of thing that's put into a lot of these fancy new vaccines that kill people. Um, new vaccines, you know, we've talked about that, right? Where he wants to shrink the world's population with new vaccines, uh, abortions, and death panels. He said it a different way. New vaccines, reproductive services, and socialized medicine. But you know, regardless of how you get there, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the limitations of government hospitals in keeping people alive when they have a terminal illness. How much money do you spend? Get rid of them. And you know, we saw a huge demographic change, perhaps in uh, some place like Italy which really, I think, helped out their socialized medicine that was overwhelmed by in a very old population. And so they benefited from this COVID thing. You just wonder, you always follow the money, right? Who benefited from that transaction to find out who, you know, who, pull, who, had the, who pulled out the insurance policy that uh, is, is the beneficiary of that person's death. And that might be where you start to look for a mur- you know, the, the suspect in a murder case, right? Who did it? Who done it? So who done it? So we got this going on all over the place. You know, we have these, we have China controlling so much of what we do. And they're the source of this COVID debacle. And they're the influencers of everything in Europe right now because Europe is desperately in need of cash. They are desperate. And they need cheaper sources of labor. And they're trying to import it through refugees, but they can't get enough of it. And that's just for the local services, but the manufacturing is another. And you get companies like Amazon, which are completely untouchable, and they're bidding on government contracts like their Jedi cloud system. 
and data gathering, like Facebook calls themselves metadata now. You know, basically it's the metadata that's going to empower. And I almost think that our militaries are global. They're, they're riddled with liberalism, socialism. And I actually think that our military has a better relationship with the evils of China and other militaries that we would we would be surprised to see. Like I think it was a great part, a grand partnership, not great, grand, grand partnership between Fauci and the scientists in Wuhan lab. And I think that Fauci was working hand in glove with clandestine operations coming out of the Pentagon. And that Fauci was the go-to guy because he had 50 years of experience working the wheels of bureaucracy. And so the people that you think are at odds with each other or don't belong together actually are together. Wouldn't it be something if we found out that our Pentagon and the Chinese military had a a cooperative agreement on a bioweapon called COVID, for lack of a better name. And then some of the globalists got involved and they held a 201 event in New York sponsored by the Gates Foundation in October of 2019. And it was a big what if a virus leaked that became airborne and started a pandemic. That it was a controlled virus made by man with interesting characteristics that was sure not to kill everybody off the face of the earth, but yet at the same time offer up control for governments worldwide. And that everybody from the World Economic Forum on down to the World Health Organization, to the United Nations, to your local government officials, and partnership as a conspiracy to change the way governments serve the people. And by this... It's basically by taking their money and telling them what to do. We've already seen what they want to do through their emergency orders and acts. And that is something else. I believe that's true. And I believe that that clip we played last week is, in fact, a situation where... People in Nuremberg are rolling over in their graves for being held up for war crimes and crimes against humanity for so much less than what Fauci and our Pentagon and anybody, you know, because we've been preaching for forever about basically saying no to biochemical weapons and nuclear weapons. 
but we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. And I'm talking about our country. We say we want to denuclearize, but yet we are making a record unprecedented amount of nuclear weapons. We say we're opposed to chemical and biological weapons, but yet we make so much more. The COVID thing is a biological weapon. It's, it's military-grade stuff. And they could tweak it. They could even make it more deadly. I think what they didn't anticipate was the mutations. And it got out of control. And I think that they're in over their head. And heads will roll. And people, you know, they got to keep this under wraps. I think some things didn't go right. And this was a monumental catastrophe. It's crazy stuff. You know, we have a government that's not being straight with us. And what's scary the most is that we have a Supreme Court that's supposed to protect our Constitution. And our Supreme Court is not doing it for us. It's not protecting us. You know, on Friday, there was so much tweeting going on related to this. And uh, it was interesting to see, really. So we went from the J6 hysteria to the courts. And that's where I want to pick up. I want to pick up and get to some of my social media because we're well into the show. There's also an article I wanted to uh, talk about <clears throat> by Ned Ryan. And he writes this article. He says, will we, will we reach herd immunity against the tyranny variant? The tyranny variant. It's about what we're talking about. The only hope is that enough Americans will have been inoculated after this bout of madness to be immune to and deeply skeptical of the next attempt to erode their rights. The fact that over 800,000 people in the United States have reportedly died from COVID-19 is barely noted by the corporate propagandists. No doubt because it isn't politically useful now that the bad orange man is gone. That's one thing. You don't see that anymore, right? You don't see, despite the fact that we have record numbers everywhere, like the worst numbers we could have ever expected going into our third year of this nonsense. And yet, you don't see them with all these numbers agitating the Biden administration about it. Right? So if Trump were still in the White House, we'd all know 800,000 deaths would have been trumpeted on every front page, the topic of every single leftist outlet's headline for weeks, CNN would have already resurrected their morbid death count ticker, claiming that every single death was due to great and terrible Trump. The fact is, 800,000 is probably inflated, much like everything else in this country right now, like inflation. The only thing that's not inflated right now, by the way, Just a little side note. 
is the job numbers were coming out expecting about 400,000 new jobs. And Joe Biden was touting it all week. This is how out of touch this Biden team of bandits that seems to be running this ghost administration is. They're way out of touch, folks. It came in at 199, less than half the estimated number for jobs. The labor participation rate, yet the unemployment goes down. And we know why that is. Because more and more people are off of unemployment, starving to death now. Homeless. Dependent on the government for Medicaid and Medic and uh, social welfare programs. And they're running out, folks. They're desperate. Yet there's jobs aplenty to be had. Yet these people won't work because the government's given them the money from another source. It's not just your unemployment runs out. It's not just that the social welfare runs out. It's that they got this COVID emergency fund. And it's causing people to sit on their butts and not go out to work because private jobs can't compete financially with what the government is giving out. But obviously it's a finite, like Margaret Thatcher once said. The problem with socialism is sooner or, sooner or later you run out of other people's money. And that's true. You could only sustain this for so long, but they're trying to sustain it. Nonetheless, they're trying to sustain it until they can gain that power, until they can turn those illegals into voters, until they can guarantee a lopsided election every time. Like living in the city of Philadelphia or Detroit or Milwaukee or Atlanta now or anywhere else where they've led mostly predominantly black cities and black voters down a black hole of dependency, promising them free stuff. That's what the whole argument of reparations was about. And dividing to where black conservatives would hate black uh, liberals so they wouldn't talk to each other anymore. They even go as far as to put a mask on your face so you couldn't smile to your political adversary's brother or sister. You couldn't make nice. You couldn't have a good debate. You couldn't talk to each other. You couldn't hug each other. Unless you're Ocasio-Cortez, then you're filmed everywhere, hugging and kissing everybody down in Florida, like Eric Swalwell. Maybe he took Fan Fan down there. Fang Fang whatever her name was, Chinese spy. The real question we need answered is whether people are dying with COVID or from it. Dying with it or from it. Okay, so when people are dying, they could be dying of cancer, but they might have it. They're dying with it, not from it. And you could have cancer and you can get COVID, And if it wasn't for the COVID, you wouldn't have died from the cancer. That could be from it. Or can it? 
There's hardly anybody dying, though, without a pre-existing condition. And in today's world, with Omicron being a lesser strong variant, it's almost a blessing, not a curse, because people are getting the antibody without the risk of death. They're getting a common cold, and the people that I know barely knew they were sick. They tested positive, but they barely knew they were sick. These kids that uh, Sotomayor lied about when she said 100,000 kids, no, 3,500 kids, big difference. Coming from a Supreme Court justice, that kind of a lie is ridiculous. And it's demonstrably false. It's easily proven false. Why did she do it? She doesn't even care. She's that cavalier. Her mind has already been made up. She didn't even show up to the chamber. She did it from her office, remote. But these kids didn't even know they were sick. Oh, I have COVID. Oh, wow. That's news to me. Didn't know I had it. Felt like a cold. Yeah, I had a sniffle. And that's all they're getting. No one's going to the hospital for this. It's like a common cold. It goes and it comes. A couple days they were sick. It's crazy. We're shutting down the world for this? Plenty of people have gotten it and died, but there were other factors leading to their deaths, such as pneumonia, a weakened immune system, or some other condition. Some doctors have suggested that COVID deaths among otherwise healthy people with no underlying conditions or serious comorbidities is probably in the 1% range, or 8,000 uh, 8, total since this all began. Let that sink in when you consider the utter carnage of our economy and small businesses. The CDC stats show very clearly that 94% of the individuals who supposedly died from COVID did so on average with three serious comorbidities. In fact, a lot of those comorbidities can probably be traced back to something most people don't want to talk about, obesity. According to some medical experts, nearly 78% of report COVID deaths Reported COVID deaths are directly linked to the patient's weight. That's a startling number and an uncomfortable one. If you start to, and who's putting us on this diet? What are they putting into our foods? You know, you can go on from there. So the only hope is that enough Americans Americans will have been inoculated over after this bout of madness to be immune. So and I think it's happening. You know, I, I read a report where it said that the uh, virus was actually dropping off in numbers so quickly. I think they were almost happy that this Omicron variant came about. But it's crazy stuff. I want to get to um, the social media before we run out of time today. So... The Bradford File writes, the Vice President of the United States raised money last year for rioters that play for her team. And the Bradford File wrote, never forget Democrats cheered rioters for eight months before they were outraged by January 6th. That was just Friday, right? 
or no, seventh was Friday. Thursday was the sixth. Rick Grinnell says, no ID for voting and ballots sent through the mail is an attack on our democracy. Cat Turd actually wrote, Ted Cruz's career is over. I actually have to say, I think he redeemed himself a little bit. He made a huge, grave mistake. I was watching Maria Bartiromo over the weekend, and I was watching Christy Noem, and everybody knows I've had a big problem with Christy Noem not defending girls' sports. The second item she came out with, pretty much the first item she talked about with Maria was how she defended girls' athletics in colleges and high schools against the invasion of trans. And that was one of my big problems with her. She said she would cared about women's sports, yet she didn't go to bat for them at all and didn't take any political risk. And she was basically your typical politician. And then I started to hear, and I said, right away, I was on a treadmill, and I literally I'm trying to rehab, you know, get my nerve endings back in my legs. And um, I was watching this, and I said, wow, did she politically posture on that? Because we really had a problem with her on that, but I think a lot of people did. And she realized, and Tucker did, certainly, and certainly she she knew that that was a big problem for her politically. And I said, she is posturing to be a VP. I said, because nobody's going against Trump for 2024. Nobody's going to go against Trump. That's political suicide. And then I watched this interview unfold, and I loved it when I saw this. But Maria Bartiroma said to her, a lot of people are talking about you, Christine Ohm, as a VP candidate. And that's what I was thinking the whole time I was watching the interview. Is she's posturing herself to be a VP candidate. And then it dawned on me when Maria said that, what Tim Scott said from South Carolina. He said, I'll run for president. But if Trump decides to run, I won't run. Bingo. Trump is now the heir apparent. Trump is now the considered incumbent. And Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. It would be political suicide to go against Donald Trump. Because Trump not only... You'll never see a senator... Okay, you'll never see a senator or a congressman go go against Donald Trump. Or perhaps even a governor. But what you will see is people from Trump's own cabinet. You'll see Pence and you'll see um, Pompeo. See, Pompeo's losing all this weight, right? He looks thin as a, thin as a, you can't even recognize him hardly. Pompeo lost uh, like hundreds of pounds. 100 pounds, it seems like. And the point is, is that because they're not political, they're not running for governor, senator, Congress, they're not, their political career is over, with exception that they would want to be president. So you're going to see people like that who don't even care. Like, who cares about Pence? And Pence will not even be a wrinkle in the shirt of Donald Trump. But you will see, if you see anybody run against Donald Trump, it's going to be somebody that 
isn't concerned about winning a congressional seat or a governorship. That's one thing you could take to the bank. And it's interesting. So I would say this, that from a demographic perspective, because I actually think Hillary Clinton's going to make another run. And it's going to be very, very obvious that Biden's not going to be able to run again. I think that's going to be clear, too. And so I think Hillary Clinton's going to take one more bite at the apple. And it would be a Christy Gnome. And she kind of redeemed herself that way because at least she admitted she made the big mistake. But I'm not a fan of hers. But if she were to be the Veep candidate, I wouldn't be too unhappy. I mean, she's nice to look at and she uh, comes across well. A lot of people like her. I just think she's spineless. And when you compare her to DeSantis, there's no comparison. But DeSantis is a guy. She's a pretty girl, right? So there's a lot of that going on, right? That There's a, the dynamics of demographics and what voters want to see. But it'll be interesting. It was a very interesting thing to see that people aren't running to be president of the Republican Party. What they're running about, they're running to be the veep to Trump. And Trump is benefiting from this because he doesn't have to declare that he's a candidate to be running for president until well after 2022, number one, because that puts restrictions on you as to what you can raise and how you can do business. So this is a great thing. Not only are we going to win back the House and Senate in 2022, which Maria covered on her show on the weekend. If you get a chance to see it, you should try to see it. But she, um, but, but it's also going to be that not only are we going to take back the House and Senate in 2022, but we're going to take back the White House in 2024 with a, a nice strong majority. And that's going to be on the path to recovery of the damage that the Democrat Party has done to our country. Well, you know, I got the rambling today a long time today. And uh, there were so many other things I wanted to get to, but we'll get to it tomorrow. Um, But I enjoyed today's show because we got to talk about a lot of things we haven't talked about in a while. And uh, well, with that, we'll see each other again on the radio, right, tomorrow. And uh, stay tuned. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.